The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. All right. Well, good morning and welcome to Overland Park Community Church. We are glad you're here this morning. You know, I do see some confused faces out there thinking, that is not Jimmy Holbrook. What is going on today? Well, Jimmy thought it would be very refreshing for the church to have a much younger and far more handsome face <laughs> deliver the message. So naturally, I was the, uh, the first choice. <laughs> so um, yeah, we, um, if you don't know me, my name is Preston Weedle. I am a, uh, about a five-year member here at Overland Park Community Church, uh, volunteer for the youth ministry and also with the tech team. And uh, on a serious note, Jimmy, all kidding aside, I do want to thank you for allowing us to do this, to do this today. Um, it's a great honor to be up here in front of the flock, so thank you very much for allowing us to do this. A little bit of blueprint of what we're going to be doing today is we're going to have three different speakers, including myself. We're going to invite two other church members and do a sort of interview of sorts just to see like what the Lord is up to, what the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives um, involving discipleship, following the No More, No Less series. And so that's a little bit of what we're going to be doing today. Um, we're going to be recapping Jimmy's sermon series. We're also going to be looking forward to what comes next, hence the title of the, the sermon series today. So in No More, No Less, Jimmy really stood on the foundations of what we believe and expounded on why we believe it. So the, the pillars of what we believe, number one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune God, is the sovereign creator of the universe. Pretty straightforward. Number two is that Jesus Christ, his son, lived, was crucified, died, and rose again. And through his blood, we have salvation and forgiveness of our sins, which is why we are standing and sitting here today. And then number three is that the word, the Bible, is the full, inerrant, God-inspired word of God. And that by reading it, learning it, and obeying it, we are walking in a right relationship with the Lord. Come on, man. Yeah, come on, man. Wouldn't be an OPCC sermon without a come on, man, at least once. So that's really what we believe. And Jimmy has taken that to another level as to why we believe it. Because if somebody asks you, why do you believe the Bible is truth? Why do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? And I would encourage you from now on to use Jesus in the present tense because he is not past. He is present and he is future. But it's important for us as Christians to be armed with um, the tools to have a critical discussion. Because if somebody says, why do you believe the Bible or why do you believe Jesus? And the only response you have is, well, the Bible says so. If they don't believe the Bible, then that's not going to go very far. So it's important to have that, um, that critical thinking aspect to it. What Jimmy really touched on is, number one, we can know that the Bible is truth by creation. We look around us and we see the fingerprints of the Creator in creation everywhere we look. The stars in the sky, to the smallest blade of grass, even us as people, we are created in God's image. And so we see the glory of God being spoken to us through creation. And no man has an excuse for not knowing that there is a divine Creator in the world. Number two is the actual historical context of the words of the Bible, the text itself, um, it has been, it's unlike any other book on the planet. It has been reproduced, reprinted, stood the test of time, and it still can be traced back to its original authors. The authenticity is unmatched. There are 
archaeological finds that continue to support biblical truths. We have um, plenty of uh, extracurricular or extra biblical texts that support the biblical teachings, the people, the places, and the dates in the Bible. I mean, there is just no way that you can look at the Bible as a non-historical book. It is a historical book woven into the history of the human race. And we know that based on what Jimmy has told us. And really the third thing would be Jesus himself. Um, when we look at Jesus' ministry, time and again he says, it is written. It is written. When the Pharisees try to ensnare him in traps, he continually reverts back to Old Testament scripture and says, it is written. When the devil himself tempts Jesus, Jesus says, it is written. Satan himself actually has the audacity to try to use scripture against Jesus, which was a very bad decision on his part. And Jesus continually recites scripture. And we see right there that scripture is uncontradictory. It cannot be contradicted. And we see that Jesus um, really just confirms that the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is applicable. Jesus did not abolish any part of the Old Testament. He fulfilled it. And we also see that prophecy in Old Testament being fulfilled in Jesus' life. I mean, all of the 190-some prophecies that were fulfilled in his life, the uh, mathematics that Jimmy put out um, regarding the, the odds for that to be happening in his life is just, it's impossible without divine intervention. And so we see that Jim, or, um, Jesus is lining up with doctrine and prophecy, and we know that the Bible is full truth based on that. So now that we know what we believe, we have a better understanding as to why we believe it, the question is, what comes next? What do we do next as a church? What we do is we fulfill the Great Commission, man. We get out there and we make disciples. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples, and so that is what we are called to do. Um, I just recently was released from a discipleship group. It was an incredible journey, and I just want to tell you that before my discipleship group, I did not understand discipleship. I was intimidated by it. I didn't think I had the tools to make disciples. Um, and I always felt inadequate in that area because I know that the Lord has called us to do that, but I wasn't doing it. And I felt a lot of fear and anxiety and frustration and intimidation there. So a couple things I want to lay out to you about discipleship is, um, number one, we are equipped by Jesus to make disciples. We are equipped by Jesus in his word and through the workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives that everybody in this room right now, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you have the tools necessary right here to go out and make disciples. So the fear that you have that you're not adequate, you do have the tools to make it. And Jesus says when he told his disciples the Great Commission, he says, I will be with you to the end of the age. So he is with you as you're doing that. That's number one. Another thing is, as you make disciples, it is a significant amount of responsibility. With greater responsibility comes greater accountability. And with greater accountability comes a greater motivation for obedience. And so if you are going forth and you are making disciples, man, that is a serious amount of responsibility. And being up on this stage is a serious amount of responsibility. And you better believe that Jimmy's going to hold me accountable. Amen. Yeah, man. <laughs> Come on, man. And I just really feel like if, if we're not stepping into that extra responsibility, especially with all the, the comforts of living in the 21st century, we can get very comfortable. We can get cozy. We cannot step out of our comfortable and cozy space. 
And we can allow ourselves to just sit and not grow. And when you are making disciples and you're taking that step of faith and you're going forward, the responsibility and accountability and ultimately obedience that comes with it takes you to a place that you've never been. That's amazing. So something that I really uh, wanted to illustrate that is in John chapter 11, uh, the story of Lazarus, Jesus resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. All probably very familiar with that story. Um, got a word from the Lord this week while I was abiding, and so I'm going to like significantly paraphrase leading up to uh, verse 38 for time's sake. Um, but basically, a follower of Jesus, Lazarus, had become ill. Uh, both of his sisters, Martha and Mary, sent for Jesus to come and perform a miracle and to heal him. Jesus intentionally waits, and by the time he gets to uh, Lazarus' hometown, Lazarus is dead. He's been in the tomb for four days. And so when he gets there, Jesus asks to be taken to the tomb. And beginning in verse 38, um, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Then the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, and a cloth around his face. Then Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, there is a lot going on here in this full passage, and I wish we could dive in and unpack a lot more, but I want you to focus on when Jesus said, take away the stone. His comment was met with disbelief by Martha, and previously she had said a lot of things that demonstrated belief leading up to that point. Um, you know, sorry, I had to take a look at the notes real quick. Um, I think we get um, that role reversed a lot in our life. We ask Jesus to roll away the stone. We ask Jesus to remove obstacles from our life. And especially when it comes to discipleship, we ask Jesus, well, if you would just remove that obstacle out of that guy's life, I can disciple them and I can lead them to a better relationship with you and I can perform the work. I can do the heavy lifting for you, Jesus. That is not the way that it works, okay? Jesus Christ is not in the business of rolling away stones. Jesus Christ is in the business of bringing dead things back to life, okay? And so as disciple-making followers of Jesus, it is our job to look at somebody and say, I want to help this person so that they can remove stones out of their life. They can remove obstacles, and the Lord can perform his work. That is what discipleship is all about. So, all that being said, we've got a couple guests we're going to bring up. Um, I would like to introduce our first guest, um, Landon Fields. He is a longtime OPCC member. He is currently involved in a discipleship group. And uh, he's a senior in high school. He's a big KU Jayhawks fan. Yeah, he's a tech of, or a volunteer for the tech team. So, Landon, wherever you're at, come on up, bro. Yeah. Oh.
I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right. So, Landon, is this your first time participating in a sermon series? It is. It it's is. It's mine, too. So, Well, you kind of nailed it. So. Awesome. Just get down in there, man. So... Awesome. Well, after that awesome entrance, um, got a couple questions for you. After this last series, No More, No Less, plus the fact that you are currently in a discipleship group, um, what do you feel the Holy Spirit telling you right now? I mean, I really, I don't know. Um, I wish I had like a more definitive, like, this is what you are to do. You know, I wish I could read my Bible and the heavens would open, like, this is what you are to do, Landon. But I'm not sure. Um, I know with No More, No Less, um, that really encouraged me to be in the Word a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, it really showed me, like, why I was supposed to be in the Word. Um, and so I'm, I'm in the Word, you know, trying to see what the Holy Spirit has, has next for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a very honest answer, and I'd be willing to say that I've been there, too. I, I find myself there a lot where I read the Bible, and, you know, I, I just don't, I don't have a, a strong word from the Holy Spirit. I'd be willing to bet you there are plenty of people here today that, that feel the same. So that's an honest answer. Um, how do you feel that the Holy Spirit works in you on a daily basis, like in your abide time? I would say it's, it's probably close to the same answer, just to be intentional um, mm-hmm. about, about seeking what, what the Holy Spirit has mm-hmm. in prayer or in the Word. That's good, man. And that's really a, an important part of the discipleship process is, is the word intentional abiding, that phrase intentional abiding, that you are really being focused on developing the rhythm of being in the word on a constant basis. Um, so that's good, man. Um, as a younger member of the church, how do you see yourself fulfilling the higher calling the Lord has for you? Well, I think no matter what the age, um, what your age is in the church, the higher calling is to go make disciples. Basically, what you're, what you're talking about um, is to go out and make disciples. Um, and whether that's in a D group, uh, eventually, um, once I am um, released from mine, um, to go make an, my own, or you know, as Jimmy comes up here every every Sunday and, and gives his sermon, or it could be anybody. It could be a neighbor. It could be a friend. Um, I think that would be everyone's higher calling, no matter what your age. Yeah, that's a good word, man. We are all called to make disciples. Um, so a little bit about that. How do you see that playing out in your local church here at OPCC? How do you see that playing out in your service here at OPCC? Um, you know, I think the Lord can work through, through everything, whether it's back in the tech team, um, helping, helping the band uh, get through a Sunday morning, or eventually, you know, in a D group, if it's inviting other members of the church into a D group um, to grow closer and to see what the Lord has for them. For being up on stage in front of everybody on a Sunday morning. <laughs> that too, man. That's awesome. So what do you feel is next for you? What do you feel the Holy Spirit is calling you to do next? Um, I would say, so in discipleship group, um, we have these things called shapes, and there's, there's a lot of them. But one of them is called the identity triangle. Um, there's a lot to it. I can't explain all of it right here. But... The basis of it is that you're supposed to find your identity in Christ and not in works or in any other thing, but to find that your identity is in Jesus. And with that, if your identity is in Jesus, you have a lot of freedom. Um, you know, you have freedom from sin, you have freedom from the world, and obviously that's what the Christian walk is about. But at the same time, with that, if you have that freedom, there's also a lot of responsibility with the Great Commission, with making disciples, and if we're going to call ourselves 
and children of God, we have to live our, our lives in a right manner um, toward him. So I think getting my life to align with that is probably what the Lord has next for me. That's awesome, dude. Well, that is a good word, and I would, um, I would encourage you in that, and I would just say that your, your spiritual maturity goes far beyond your years as a high school senior. You're certainly more mature than I was at that age. So, um, well, Landon, thank you, man. I'll go ahead and take the mic from you. We'll dismiss you from the stage. Rock Chalk Jayhawk! Yeah. So, um, gently sit that down. Um, we'll go ahead and call our next speaker up to the stage. I'm going to introduce Jason Lynch. He is a true OG of OPCC. He was one of the guys who was here when he hired Jimmy. Um, definitely a little bit different age perspective than Landon. I would uh, say that uh, he's, he's like, a, like a historical relic, man. He's like a, a living biblical fossil. But uh, Jason, why don't you come on up here, man? <laughs> Right. So Thanks. We'll yeah, that was that was great. Appreciate that. <laughs> and there's people out there laughing. They're older than me too, so I'm not sure what you're laughing yeah. at. Well, awesome, man. So uh, something that we talked about while we were preparing for this is you mentioned uh, this week how this series, no more, no less, um, equipped you to take what you believe and really present it in a critical discussion way about why you believe it. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody um, what has been most important to you? and how you've taken that uh, in your daily life with the Lord. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, at least for me, it's, it's hard to talk about my faith and just a normal conversation. I meet with a lot of people throughout the week, and, and I'm always looking for an opening. Um, and depending on how long you've been meeting with them, it's, you know, sometimes you can get into um, a, t a conversation, but it's, it really is hard to break the ice. So, um, the no, no More, No Less series really gave me a, a really good roadmap to, to introducing the Bible, introducing Jesus, and, and then helping them walk with Jesus. So um, it really built my foundation, and it really gave me an opportunity to break the ice with just the historical data that we have. So, um, Jimmy, it was, it was a great series. I think you probably heard that a lot, but... Uh, I think there's a lot of fundamental data there we can go out in the, in the world with and feel comfortable with uh, talking to people about. So thank you. Um, I want to introduce our next uh, guest. Um, her real name is actually Mary. Um, she hails from Butler, Missouri, Eileen Hurst. <laughs> So, Eileen, why, why, why Eileen? Why not Mary? What's up with that? Well, it actually is my real name, just my middle name. So everybody says Mary's my real name. I'm like, so is Eileen. I just go by my middle name. So I don't know why my parents started calling me by my middle name. So got it, got it. Well, um, what I want to talk about, what's something I'm very interested in, and I think I think what a lot of us are interested in is we. You know, we go from you know, being in the church, learning, um, maybe being in a discipleship group, being the student, and then how do we take that out 
and become the teacher? How do you how do you start group? How did that happen for you? Honestly, <laughs> when Jimmy told me I was about to start a group, I was like, oh wow. <laughs> I was very hesitant, but um, I just think with abiding with the Lord, I just felt that I was called to do that. And I feel like we're all called to do that with the Great Commission. And I felt that it was um, just being obedient to Christ. And um, so that's mainly the reason why I went through with it and did it. And I was very hesitant. And it showed at, in my first group, it was I, my poor group. It, it was a little rocky at first, but I was very fortunate to have a lot of help along the way and I'm feeling much more at ease now so I think the more you do it the easier it gets and the better it goes so I would encourage people to do that yeah. as we're called to yeah it's scary isn't it it is <laughs> um what, what is that what did that first conversation sound like when you invited the first person in into your group what did that what did that sound like oh boy it's hard to remember <laughs> um I Let's see. It's hard to think back and remember that, actually. It's been a while, about a year and a half. So um, I don't know. I know as you invite more and more people, it gets easier. And I know I have shared more with, um, like, the more people I've, I've learned that you need to share more and more about it with, like, I don't know. <laughs> the more people I've invited, it's better to be honest with them and tell them what all the group entails and just that you need to really be committed to it. And Okay. So. Okay. All right. That's good. So how do you see discipleship uh, playing a larger picture, a larger part of the church? Let's see. Um, sorry, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I think that... Um, Just as we um, were called into these discipleship groups, I feel like we're really challenged to grow in our faith. And as we spend time abiding with Christ each day and getting into that rhythm, and we um, meet in fellowship with our groups, that we are more equipped to go out and reach others and disciple to them. And I think that's an ultimate goal of the church. Yeah, I, I think we've uh, a lot of us here have been through a discipleship group. I think that now we're going to be challenged with going out beyond these walls and and finding people of peace to to talk to and bring to a group. So I agree. Yeah, it's exciting. So, um, what are you excited about? And what are you excited about? What do you think the average person here should be excited about? I think it's really exciting when you get deeper in your faith and you just start surrendering more to the Lord. And when you do that, you really do find freedom and you just find freedom walking with the Lord. And that's a good feeling. And I think we can get excited about that. And also just um, as people are in groups, they um, often will start their own. And the more and more groups there are, the more people that will be growing deeper in their, into their faith. Yeah, so, yeah. That's exciting. like that. Okay, so, what, so what's next for you? Um, well, I just started a group, and I'm excited, hope to encourage the women in that, and just plan to continue with the rhythm of abiding in Christ each day and hearing from the Holy Spirit and how he leads me in that. So. All right. That's great. That's great. 
thank you, Eileen. Thank you for sharing. Um, I, you know, what you're doing is so important to, to what we as a church are trying to get done. So thank you for sharing with us. And uh, Thank you. <laughs> a round of applause. Thank you. Um, next, we have a gentleman you might know as Rich. Um, he hails from Aurora, Colorado, Rick Rosas. <laughs> Must have been your thick Colorado accent. <laughs> exactly. All right, so uh, we've heard from you know a few people today about discipleship, and um, and you know I think I think we've got to you know maybe have you talk about it on a different level. What you know from a spiritual aspect, what do you what do you think discipleship means to you? <sighs> a spiritual level, I'd say. Discipleship is so. I guess how it's all right. So when you you know how in life you have those moments where something goes horribly wrong or something's horribly embarrassing, and you can just try and like hide it away. Discipleship is the perfect way to get just a few people around you that notice something and help reshape you through something that you want to hide from. Amen. And it's just one of those things where it's like as an individual, you can go on with about your life, and this is one of those things like they say, you'll take it to the grave, and you'll try and just hide from it, and you can do it. You can hide away. I mean, God knows, you know, but it's going to hurt you just a little bit for the rest of your life. And I think that's the most beautiful part I've had in discipleship is actually getting to know, learn one of those just moments that you just, I'm not, like, I'm fine. It's not going to be a problem. I'm doing fine. And I just tried to hide it, and Jimmy would not let me. <laughs> Amen. And I think that, I mean, if I had to boil down all that I've gotten from discipleship, I mean, that one moment, I mean, I, we keep saying you need to get in discipleship. Discipleship's so powerful, but I mean, just the ability to take one thing that you've been trying to hide your entire life, or as, it might not be your entire life, it might have been a year ago, it might have just been a death, it might be something that hits you deep, but trying to hide it and actually working through it with other people who are willing to help you walk through it, I mean, there's... There's nothing more you could ask for in the world. Yeah, it was that was uncomfortable for me to watch too. Just so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, the overall theme has been, you know, what's next. So I think that's a good question for you too, right? What's next for Rick? So personally, I mean, I've been working on a lot of things because I just want to do everything at once because that's my personality. But um, 
I mean, just financially trying to free myself. I've been working on not wasting money anywhere. I've been trying to focus on uh, getting rid of some of my debt that I've been bound down with. But uh, what else? I have been focusing on really believing. And it's one thing to say, all right, Jesus died on a cross for me, but it's a whole other thing to live like a man died on a cross for you. <laughs> he was willing to be tortured without just cause, just to save you. And I mean, you could say that for the rest of your life, but I mean, you'll always get more out of that every time that you think about it. And so I think that's what I've been working on personally, is just acknowledging the sacrifice that he made for me. Right. So, so what about for the church? What do you think, what's next for the church? <laughs> I would say the same thing, just believe. I mean, it's good that you're here. That's step one, but that's not the final step. The final step is to acknowledge where you need to go. I mean, a man died on a cross <laughs> for you, like each and every one of you. He knows you personally. He knows you. He's known you since you were a baby, and he's known like what you are to become personally. Every mistake you've made, every time you're nervous. And he's been here watching you, and he's here now. And he's here to help if, you will, if you're willing to ask him. But if you shut him out, then he's just going to be waiting. So don't leave him waiting. That's good. All right. So do you have... Other things you want to wrap us up with? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's going to be a little painful, but he's here for me. So here we go. Uh, but thank you, Jason. Yeah, All yeah. Right. Absolutely. Great job. <sighs> Appreciate it. All right. Well, my name is Rick Rosas, for those of you who don't know me. Um... <laughs> oh. So... I've been a member of OPCC for two years, almost. Uh, yeah, we might be writing around that this month, yeah. Um, and I thought about this a little bit, and then I realized I'm not supposed to be thinking about it, I'm supposed to be led. <laughs> and so this morning, Jesus reminded me, I could tell you, oh yeah, I'm from Colorado, I, I work at a bank, and I do stuff with money. That's all you really need to know, but that's not what you need to know. What you know, need to know is, why I'm here, what got me here, and why I'm trying to encourage you all to go further like I am. And so, all right. So, all right, this is going to be a little bit deep. Um, so I'm going to tell you guys about 2016. Um, for a lot of you, might have been focused on politics, but luckily for me, it was not. I was more focused on All right, I'm going to start with, we're going to end in love, but this is going to be a little heavy. So at no point in my life before 2016 had anybody died. So. We started off strong in January. So my wife, my beautiful wife, she's a teacher over in Kansas City, Kansas. She's been wanting to be a teacher since she was a little girl. 
and she was following in her grandmother's footsteps, and she lost her grandmother that January. It's our last year of college, and there's really no words you can give to someone who loses their role model, like the person they're going after. Like, that's their whole goal. Sorry. But I had to learn, and this was still me without God, how to try and support someone who's lost someone that important to them. But I was lucky because she has a big family, and so I didn't have to do all the supporting, just the main supporting. And so... We went to her funeral, and it was beautiful because she knew Christ. And so I really wasn't too worried, because even not knowing Christ, you can see when people aren't worried as much about a death because they're, the person close to them is going to heaven. Well, halfway through the year, I lost one of my oldest friends. He did not know the Lord, and his family does not know the Lord. And so that one was a lot harder, but it was easy because I wasn't there. So I was able to just stay away from it and not see the, the ripples, the side effects. But <laughs> I just helped my parents move, and so we got to go see our neighbors, and that includes his parents. <sighs> With or without God, if you are not prepared... There are no words you can give to someone who lost someone who was not saved. Because all you can do is hope, hope that they did something small enough that in secret they were talking to God and that without you knowing that they're going to be there. But without being saved or publicly being saved, everyone around you will suffer. And so it was just, I just had no words. I wasn't prepared. I've been through discipleship. I'm prepared for a lot, but I wasn't prepared for that. So today I'm asking that it doesn't have to be discipleship. It doesn't have to be a 100% commitment today. But I'm asking you to just acknowledge not for yourself, for yourself, (laughs) and for those around you. Just look at what you're doing. Look at what you've done, and look at where you're going. (sighs) I've got an entire sermon that has nothing to do with anything I just said, but I listened listened to Corey this morning, and I couldn't help but share pain, because the reason, actually, there we go, (laughs) the reason that God gave us pain, Paul tells us in Romans 8.20, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. 
We're not here for us. We're here to learn. God brought us here to teach us. <laughs> the reason that there is pain, the reason that there is suffering is to show us the beauty of love. Because we get lied to and told that love is just like, all right, you're going to find someone. That's all the love you'll need for the rest of your life. Break away from the family, run away, and then just start your own thing. Or I'm sure every generation had a different one, but, but the lies are out there. But the key is just to love. When uh, the wise man, I believe it was a wise teacher, came to Jesus and asked him, what do we need to know? What is the most important law? He said, love the Lord your God. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor. It doesn't mean just love your family. It doesn't mean just love your friends. Because a lot of non-believers will love their family and friends. It means love everyone. It might not feel like it today. <laughs> it might not feel like it tomorrow. But the, the difference that encouragement makes on a person's life, even the smallest thing, all right, I'm busy this week, I don't have time, all right, well, this person's on my heart, I've been in my Bible, I read this thing, and today I'm thinking of Shay, I don't care if that's, I'm going to drive over and say, hey, Shay, I believe in what you're doing, you can keep going, it's going to be okay, and then you just leave. <laughs> I mean, that's as simple as it could be, or you could be just, you have people that you are close with, and maybe they need something deeper. They need that connection. Yeah. If you're ignoring the Lord, you're ignoring that connection. You don't know where you're supposed to be, and that's the beauty of discipleship. I am jokingly going to say that I am most likely the person who has failed out of discipleship because I am probably the only person who's been in five different discipleship groups. <laughs> but I have gained so much from every single one. And if you're scared of discipleship because you're like, well, now I have to go out and talk to people and meet people, invite people into my life, well, you're going to do that either way. <laughs> the difference is you might be able to help someone. I mean, if, if all that you're concerned about is making a commitment to go and meet with, some, meet with people every week, then if that's that big of a hassle, you probably need to rethink your life. <laughs> if you can't spare a day a week, you're probably struggling. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, I was worried following up Preston, but <laughs> but that's all you need. You just need people. And if you don't have the Lord, you'll have some people, maybe. But I can tell you, for one, I pushed away every friend that I had before I had the Lord. I pulled them away. I pushed them away. I said, nope, you're doing this. You're out. I need to be pure. I can't deal with this. I can't deal with that. And I just kind of isolated myself. And in that, God gave me clarity. He said, all right, well, if you're going to be good, you need to try harder and get closer to me. And so within, I don't know, I 
guess I can't really give a time limit on that, I, but I don't know. I pushed away my friends. I left the state. That's a pretty good way to push people away. And uh, here I am now, two years later, with more friends that are close to me than I've ever had in my life. And discipleship is part of that, but fellowship is all it was. It's just intentionally going out there, making friends, encouraging others, and being willing to talk with new people and encourage them if they need it. A lot of people don't, but some people do. And I mean, it could be small encouragement, it could be large encouragement, but the fact is that if you're not doing it, you're not helping. You're not doing God's work if you're ignoring God. And I'm not saying, all right, ignore the Bible, go out, talk to people, help people. I'm saying, get in the word, read what the Lord has to say to you today, ask him in prayer, listen and do what he says. Or ask him, don't do what he says and see what happens, because you'll fall on your face every time. But all I really have to say other than that is thank you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening. And I just pray that if you need encouragement, you know to ask. And if you don't need encouragement, that you're encouraging someone else. And either way, get down in there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh just does not seem like it's going to come out of him, but uh, I love Rick. Hey, man. Um, so one of the things you need to know about Rick, man, Rick just met the Lord like, what? Where'd you go? A year ago. One year ago. Rick did not know the Lord, and uh, he's talking about uh, making disciples, man, and following the Lord and listening to his voice. So what a beautiful, um, like... This is what I wanted today to be about. And again, I, I just sort of handed over the keys. I had no idea what they were going to do, but said, you need to learn how to allow the Lord to use you. And um, he certainly used you today to encourage me. And, and I hope that you can see, man, that's a picture of the church. Like the church is not, oh, we got a pastor and we get together on Sundays and we have a potluck. The church is family. The church is supposed to be a spiritual family that just continues to reproduce. Like, that's, that's what happened. Jesus said, he told the early disciples, You're, you know, if you, if you don't love me more than your own family, you can't be my disciple. Now, why would Jesus say that? Because he knew that as they made the decision to reject Judaism and follow him as the Messiah, like, and believe that he was the Messiah, that there were a lot of people that were not going to believe that, and they were going to get excommunicated from their community, and they did. Like, they, many of them lost their jobs, couldn't do business with other Jewish people, because other Jewish people said, no, Jesus is not the Messiah, he's a blasphemer, and they said, no, Jesus is the Messiah, so they lost families. And what happened in the midst of that is they gained spiritual family. Um, by doing life with one another, with Jesus at the center and everything revolving around him. And so that's, that's what discipleship is. That's what the church is. And if we're not doing that, 
It doesn't matter how many home pe homeless people you feed. It doesn't matter how many do-gooder things you do for people who are poor and, and need help. It doesn't matter. Like, you don't even have to be a Christian to do those things. None of that stuff matters if you don't know Jesus first. And what's happened in a lot of the church is all of that stuff has mattered more than a relationship with Jesus. Because that stuff makes us feel good. Now, should we do that stuff? Yes. I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. But what I'm saying is that we should make sure that we love God. Jesus, what the, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So first, get your heart in the place it needs to be with the Lord. And out of that, when you spend time with other people who are trying to do the same thing, out of that abundance of relationship, a spiritual family will flow the works of God, not the works of man. And so we don't want to be a church that is just doing good. We want to be a church that is filled with power. The power to what? Transform a life. And so that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. And so for you, for you, maybe you're here and you're going, man, I, that, one of them discipleship groups, that sounds pretty cool for me. It's a slow process. Um, and, and it takes time to get people discipled and released. And we have some disciple makers that are released. And if you're a person that says, man, I, I really would like to be involved in discipleship, there's going to be some other opportunities coming up to learn more about it. Um, you, can, you can just fill a connection card out and send it in through the offering and say, hey, man, I, I want you guys to begin praying about that. I'm, I'm a person that is, is interested. I want, I want more to know about how do I walk with the Lord on a daily basis. And not only should you, you know, can you do that, because we'll, we will start praying and, and having others pray, but you can pray and just ask the Lord, like, Lord, raise somebody up and, and put me on their heart. Like, and that could be the first step in your discipleship journey is asking the Lord um, to put you on someone else's heart. And what... I mean, <laughs> We've made the church so hard. We've made ministry so hard. It's about marketing and all this other stuff, events and programs. The church is just about following Jesus and seeing who's next to you that you're supposed to bring in beside you and walk with. That's all the early disciples did. They just... Where's the Lord moving? I'm gonna I'm gonna do life with some people, and we're gonna grow in the Lord together. And we're like, it's not about. And and let me say this: <laughs> um, don't wait until you get everything figured out. Like if I waited until I really got everything together in my life to preach you a sermon, we wouldn't have had one. Okay, the Lord works in the midst of a mess. That's what the New Testament is all about. What's cool is when we bring our mess together, all of our messes together, the Lord kind of gets in that and he works out beauty from the ashes of um, his truth just falling on us. And so with that, we're going to take communion and then we'll receive the offering and, and go downstairs and eat. But man, you guys did a great job. I'm very proud of you um, as a pastor. I, I, uh, a lot of times you preach a sermon and you go, man, that was a good one. I liked that when I was in the zone that day. I was in the zone today. That's what church is.
Like, that's what church is. It's about people learning to follow Jesus, not about preachers wowing us with their ability to speak publicly. Like, your church is a body. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.